If you've ever been up against it to where you had to ask someone else for help, for their help, you know exactly what that feels like, and you, you, uh, you tell yourself you're going to do your best to never revisit that again. And uh, uh, I can tell you from experience, as, a, as 25 years as a church planter, you get up against it sometimes. Uh, there, there are feasts and famines in church planting. You're, you're, you're uh, well, there are famines and nicer famines. I, mean, I don't know if there's ever feast. But um, there, there are times when you're, you're looking head, headstrong into a situation that you don't know how, this is gonna, how the need's going to be met. And, and God seems to always honor that. But uh, if you know him. But if you don't, you're, you're just alone. And I wonder, uh, or, or our world wonders, why is, why is it, especially in the state of Tennessee, why is painkillers the number one uh, angle for incarceration and the number one killer in our state? Why is alcoholism such, on the rise in our state to the, to the extent that it is? And on and on and on we could go with substitutes that st- tries to numb the pain from being against it and not knowing how to respond. Being against it and having no, no sense of direction or answer out of that situation. Uh, we're going to look at several examples over these next few weeks. Uh, today, looking at the children of Israel here at the Red Sea. If you want to turn to Exodus chapter 14. We're going to look at several examples over the next few weeks of folks that seemingly their situation was, was they were just in the middle of, of, of their inability to do anything about their situation. And whether it's loss, we'll look at whether it's, it's, it's the miraculous work of God that's, that comes to rescue. We, we, each of us, whether mild or major, will find ourselves at some point, if we live long enough, we'll find ourselves up against it. We'll find ourselves in a place where I can't get myself beyond this. I have no power, no ability, no, I don't have the wherewithal to move beyond this situation on my own. I've got to have some, some help somewhere. And so what I want us to see here is that over and over again in each one of these stories, we have and serve and know and live for and love a never-say-never God. He never, sees, he never sees the inability for something to be done or met. We're going to see that today as this story unfolds. You've heard it before as a kid in Bible school or perhaps as an adult, but we're going to see, some, I think, some angles to this story of the exodus of the children of Israel from Egypt here that uh, you may not be familiar with or may have never seen before in this light. Exodus 14, follow along with me, picking up at verse 10. <laughs> As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through the chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. 
The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side, so that neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground and a wall of water on the, with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and the cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He made the wheels of their chariots come off so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them and against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at daybreak, the sea went back into its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it and, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back, flowed back and covered the chariots and the horsemen. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day, the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Well, can you imagine yourself in the middle of this situation? Here they are, having fled Egypt uh, and, 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 and had probably within probably two, two to three days' journey at the most, found themselves here at the edge of the Red Sea, about, seemingly about to die. And they start bellyaching to Moses. He brought us, we, we, we didn't like it in Egypt, but we weren't, we weren't dying. We had food, we had shelter, we had all the things we needed in Egypt. How, how come you brought us out here to die? What we're going to see here is they were against it and started to, to, to turn. In fact, this, this first point is the Israelites, and often we ourselves, default to cynicism. And why is it that our first thought is cynical sometimes when we're against it? Sometimes when we're facing adversity and hardship and, 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 a, and an unknown place, we find ourselves being cynical initially. Uh, they say it'd been better for us if you just left us alone. Why do we think we always know what's best for us? Where does that come from? Where does it come from that we are, we are somehow success stories in finding our own journey and our own, our, our, our own means to our own, our own desires and schemes and plans? We think we know what's best for us because... We battle with me. I'm born with me, and you're born with me too. And you battle with me most of your life. And you find yourself, as I have, in situations of life to say, I think this is the best way to go. I think this is the best avenue to go. And maybe having tested the waters, maybe having gotten some opinions from some other folks. And so quickly here, these folks forgot, the Israelites forgot what God had already done. And they're sitting here in in the middle of the desert at the edge of the Red Sea, about to see something incredible if they only had the faith to believe, and they start bellyaching and become cynical. And, well, Moses, you brought us out here to die. And they had quickly forgotten the things God had already done. They had forgotten these ten plagues that God had brought on Pharaoh in the land of Egypt, the last of which the firstborn of every household is going to die. And, of course, you know the story of their putting, uh, being commanded by Moses to put blood over the doorposts and over the, the lentils of their, their, of their homes, and the angel of death would pass by. So here's, here are these ten plagues that they've forgotten. Here's the Passover of God passing over the, their firstborn of their home, that they, uh, each household that they've forgotten. Here's a cloud, uh, 
uh, by day and a pillar of fire by night that's going ahead of them on the journey. And, and in essence, it's, it's God saying ever present to them every moment of every day, here I am, I'm leading you, turn here, turn here. And the same thing by night. And here they stand in the middle having seen all these things just days now before. Having seen all these things that God's done and, and start to grow bitter and start to grow cynical. Why? Because they think they know best. And you and I do too. We look at God's situation sometimes, look at God in situations and think we know better than him how to solve it, how to, how to move from where we are. Uh, they're cynical. Uh, they're, they're like we are and forget quickly like we do. Uh, our enemy... Our enemy keeps us consumed in the now and in the moment. That's the exact reason for that. It's not that we're so smart or we're not or that this way seems better or it doesn't. It's that our enemy says, here's what your present need is today. Forget that crap in the past. Yeah, God was good. God may have shown up. You may have a track record of faith. But here you are in this moment needing him and where is he? Well, if he did this and did this and showed up here and here and here and here, I believe he can show up now, can't he? No, where is he? You're needing God in this moment, and your God has abandoned you in this moment. And how quickly we forget the things God has done here and there and here and there. And we feel in the moment that God's gone. Yet he's about to work a miracle. He's about to show up in a significant way if we'll just have enough faith to pursue and stay with it. Perspective is a powerful thing. They lost it here in the middle of the desert, standing at the Red Sea. Lost perspective. You and I need people in our life. You need a good friend. You need a, you need a spouse. You need a confidant. You need a pastor. You need someone to give you some perspective on things. Why? Because we see the minutia of this situation in our world without seeing the big picture oftentimes, and that's where the enemy gets us. He said, if you look at this situation, your God has abandoned you. Now, if we look at the big picture, we'll see God shown up here and there and there and there and the things God's done for us in the past. But if we look at our own present situation just in that moment, we listen to the enemy who says, where's your God? He's not here. He's, there's, you, 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 are, you, are to, you, you serve and know and love an incapable God, incapable of delivering you from this situation. Focuses, gets us to focus on the moment and stop seeing the big picture. That's why perspective is a powerful thing. God's all over the big picture for them. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they need to look very far, but see, God showed up here and here and here in the plagues and the Passover and in this, in, in this deliverance from Egypt. In fact, he wanted us gone. Uh, we, we didn't go losing our life and go, go in battle. We went in freedom, walking out of Egypt on our own, led by Moses. And so they, they, they were consumed with the present, consumed with themselves, and lost sight of the big picture. So they became cynical. And we often do the same things. Secondly, the Israelites and we not only default to cynicism, but we have a fighter. Look at verse 14. He says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Well, the first part of this verse is one of those Yes, moments. The Lord will fight for me. Yes, the Lord will fight for me. He is my fighter. He is my deliverer. That's the easy part. The harder part is you need only to be still, he says in the latter part of this verse. That's so hard for you and I to step away, be still, find a quiet place and say, God, I know you're up to something here. What are you up to? I know it's just bigger than my circumstance. I know if I just look at my circumstance, I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss the things I'm seeing. I've got to look beyond my circumstance to see you in the circumstance and around the circumstance working in me to refine me in the middle of this bad situation, in the middle of this time where I'm up against it. Why do we do that? Why is it so hard for us to be still? Why is it so hard for us to to come away and and, and gain perspective? Well, the why is our own sense of of independence and our own sense of individualism. And we have it. Our our culture pushes us in those directions. In fact, uh, In the early 1900s, we were still an agrarian society. 
We move in the early 1900s from the agrarian society into the industrial age. And, and in doing so, we move from, a, from, from really a daily dependence on God. I mean, you think about an agrarian society. If I don't have water, if I don't have sunlight, if I don't have the seasons, if, I, if God doesn't show up, in essence, I'm toast. Because I, got, I got nothing to eat. I got nothing to sell. And so if, I'm, if, if my income and my livelihood and my sustenance depends on God, I'm dependent on him every day to come through, to show up, to, to bring the rain, to bring the sunshine, to bring the seasons, to, bring, to make the seed come out of the ground. I'm dependent on God to do the things I can't do. When, I move into an, in a, when we move into the industrial age, we find ourselves pretty self-sufficient. This is what I made. This is what I made. It can do this and this and this. And we feel better about ourselves and our ability to then make our circumstances better. So we, and we moved and progressed even further in that direction now to where we're, we virtually don't need anybody. Uh, to, to make our lives work. I've got my job. I got this. I got that. I got my kids. I got my know-how. I got my experience. I got my education. I got my background. And where is God in the midst of all of that? And so what, what I think what, what has them losing perspective is, is not only the, the, the cynicism of forgetting where they had come and knowing that he, here's, here's Moses saying, God's going to fight for you. And I almost hear that long pause after God's going to fight for you. You need only to be still. And I, I, I can see, and he almost hear the children of Israel still. What's he talking about? And, and, and the backbiting behind his back to say, listen, God's, if God hasn't shown up already, what makes you think he's going to show up now? If God hasn't delivered, has, here we are against the sea, no place to go. The army of Egypt ba- bearing down on us. We can see them from a distance. God's brought us out here to die. And he, Moses says, you, you need only to be still. Now, there's great counsel in being still. Here's, here it is. We we hear and see the voice of God when we be still. When we find ourselves in a place of solace, in a place of solitude, in a place of quiet, and I don't know where that place is for you. It may be turning the radio off on your drive to work. It may be someplace in your house. It may be, uh, you know, some other place where you go. But we we each need to find a place where where there can be silence. And we 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 are a culture that's growing more and more and more uncomfortable with silence. We got to fill the silence with noise. We gotta we gotta fill the empty space with some kind of stimuli to say, okay, what's happening now that I'm missing? What what, what do I know about her now that I didn't? And we've got to fill the we, we fill the empty space with stimuli of some kind. And there is no there's no room there's no planned time for what do you got to say? I need to hear you. I want to see you. What do you got to say to me? And we have a fighter that will fight for us. We need only to be still to see the fighter fight. We can't fight the fight and let the fighter fight the fight at the same time. We've got to be still and back up to let him fight the fight for us. And we'll see that when we do. We'll miss that when we don't. Listen to these words in Romans 9. What then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy and have compassion on whom I have compassion. God does not therefore depend on desire it does not depend on desire or effort, but on God's mercy. What is he saying? He's saying that it's much easier to be still when we find some margin in our lives. No margin, it's hard to be still. If we live wire to wire to wire to wire to wire every day, we get up the next day doing the same thing over and over and over again, thinking that all the dead space has to be filled with something. There's no margin. When there's no margin, we, it, it's difficult to hear the voice of God. When it's difficult to hear the voice of God, we think we've got to fight the fight ourselves. We think that we've got to take it to the enemy ourselves. And he said, listen, wait a minute. I'll fight for you. You need to back up and be still. Take a deep breath. Back up and allow me 
to be seen. Allow me to be known. Allow me to, to get glory in this situation. And so without margin, that's, that's what we look like. Here's my question. Who do you want fighting for you in your life, you or him? How's it worked out for you? If we allow him to fight for us, we need to find ourselves in a place of being still. We'll see him show up as our fighter. We have a fighter. Thirdly, not only did they and we default to cynicism and have a fighter, but thirdly, the Israelites and we have a protector. Look at verse 19 and 20. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side, so that neither went near the other all night long. Throughout the light, the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other. This is a miraculous cloud. So here he is creating this dividing wall, more or less, to keep Egypt on one side and the children of Israel on the other side. In confusion, the children of Israel, their, their side of the cloud is total darkness. The children of Israel's side of the cloud is total light. Light on one side of the cloud, darkness on the other. You've, you've been in situations probably recently with summer storms when the power goes out. Power goes out at your house. Things come to a screeching halt, don't they? I mean, you, you find yourself, well, can't do this, can't do that, can't do this, don't have any hot water, don't have any of this, can't, microwave doesn't work, so you can't see to get around. When, when, when the power goes out and the lights go out, life comes to a screeching halt. And here's where the Egyptians found themselves in total darkness here on the other side of this cloud. And so here's, this, here's God showing up using nature in itself to show up to be a protector. Now, he could have done something else, but he took the very cloud that, that, they, that he had been leading them with, puts it behind them now, and they see all this occur. They see the cloud moving in the sky from in front of them to behind them and then come down in between them and the people in, in the army of Egypt. And it's light on their side, and it's dark on the Egyptian side. And, and still, there, there is unbelief here. Still, there's, okay, but they're still over on the other side of the cloud. <laughs> what are we going to do now? We have a protector. We have, we have one who will protect us and will show himself to us if we'll give him time and give him space and give him room. Um, this, this, this shield that he placed there, this protector, uh, is, is very relevant to our day because it was, it, was, it was a supernatural thing that occurred. And I'm going to tell you, darkness is still darkness in our day, and light is still light. Angels are real entities. Demons are real entities in our world. You don't believe that. You walk around far enough, you're going to see the demonic influence in our world. And if you'll listen and, and nuzzle up close enough to the Lord, you'll see the angelic influence as well. Those are real entities in our world. They, they saw that in, in reality, in, physical, in the physical form of a cloud. We see that metaphorically often in our world and in our day as God works in circumstances around us to deliver us and protect us from things we never knew. I would submit to you this. If God pulled back the veil on your life to show you the things he's protected you from, you'd never want to leave the house. And you've you've had these situations occur probably where you went, you went by an intersection you hear about the wreck at that intersection thirty minutes later, or on the news or something else. And you think, oh, I was just right through there. That could have been me. These two people died. One guy got t-boned and died there. And you think, could that have been me? And, and I, I would submit to you that if we if God really threw back the veil and so, here's where I protected you. Here's where I protected you. Here's where we'd never want to leave the house. It totally. We'd be cringing in our, in our seats most of the time. But he is that, and he does that. And, and I think the greater opportunity for us to see that, we have to get out of our convenience and out of the norm and out of what we know 
to move deeper in him with our, in our, with our faith, to see those kinds of things, have a greater sense of faith, greater sense of trust. Um, it, it, as I've shared with you, this, this one of my favorite passages of Scripture in Isaiah 46, verses 3 and 4, it is saying to us, I've got you. I'm God. I see you. I know everything about you. And I've got my paraphrase now. And I've got you. There's no way you can escape my attention. There's no way you can escape my protection and my care. I've got you. You can't go anywhere to escape away, uh, to get away from me. If we see him in that light, it does some things to our character, spiritually speaking, that not understanding protection will, will diminish. Here's what I mean by that. Um, you, you learned lessons as a child that your parents protected you, or you learned the protection of your parents as a child and grew to trust that. Why? Because you could see it in a practical sense. You could see that the, their care for you here kept you from this. Their, their care from you, from, for you here kept you from being hurt there or falling there or getting burned there. Or, and you, you, you grow up with a sense of they cared about me, they protected me, they, they, they created a, a safe environment for me, either in the home or school or wherever it may be. And you, you, you begin to depend on that. You begin to, to expect that kind of care out of your parents. Same thing spiritually. As we step out and trust God and we find that he comes through and trust him again and find that he comes through and trust him again, we see his hand of protection. Why? Because we're testing it. Our faith is being tested over and over and over again, and we see the protective hand of God delivering us from what, what, what would otherwise likely be harm in this situation to, to work it out for our good and his glory. Yet we never see the hand of protection back here in safety. We never see it on the, on, on the, on the, on the dark side of the Red Sea. We've got to travel through the sea and get on the other side to see it. There's faith involved there. And we can see his hand of protection when we test it and move. And, and there, there are all, all kinds of situations where, where you've seen and marked that in your life. We, uh, uh, Leanne and I dropped Hannah off in Nashville several years ago when she moved from Knoxville to Nashville uh, to become a part of the governor's staff. And she found a home there and rather quickly. And we moved her rather quickly over a weekend into, into the house and and went out to dinner with her and said our goodbyes and got in the car and started driving home. And it hit us on the drive home. Well, we're, or it hit me on the drive home. I mean, it probably hit her too. She just didn't. It hit me on the drive home. I'm leaving a, I'm leaving a young girl in her early 20s, totally by herself, in a, in a neighborhood she don't know anything about, in a home that she's, she don't know the creeks and sounds and things like that at night. What in the world am I doing? Have I lost my mind? And, and, and the, more, the more I thought about that, the more I began to, to do this struggle in my mind between, God, if you're in this, then this is your deal. You've you got to take over and protect and watch and guide because as a father, my, my instinct is to protect the things that are mine. And as I'm seeing an adult daughter now become her own woman and, and her own growing faith to depend on the protection of God as well when she's living by herself, I've got to step back enough to, to give God enough room to do that. And, and we had that, you know, we got several miles out of Nashville. We're talking about this back and forth to each other, thinking, this is serious stuff here to trust God with. You're trusting God with your own kids and, 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 and their own safety. And are we doing the right thing? Well, this, the human side of me wanted to turn the car around and get back and say, you go tell the governor, he can find somebody else to do this job. We're going back to Knoxville. We all are. The, that, that's the, the human, the fleshly father of me, the, the, the heavenly father speaking to me said, I got this. I got this. Just trust me here. I, I'm big enough to see this through. And that's, that was the end of our discussion. That's, and that is, either God is big enough or he isn't. 
He's big enough or he isn't. And here they were in this same situation, faced with their own, their own mortality. Either God is big enough to deliver us or he isn't. They've seen the plagues. They've seen the Passover. They've seen the clouds. They've seen the, the pillar of fire. They've seen it all. And here they are again with, 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 with confrontation. Say, either God's big enough to deliver. I don't see it. I don't understand it. I got, here we are against it. But God has a way. Either he's big enough or he isn't. And either we can, we can go through on the other side or he'll, he'll divert this. Or something. God's got this. I don't see it. I don't know all the particulars. But he's got this. Uh, and we're fooling ourselves if we think we don't need his protection. We need it desperately. We have an enemy seeking, the scripture says, to devour us. Not just inconvenience us. Devour us. Eat us alive. And he's coming after us daily. We need the protection of our, or, or, or the hand of our God protecting us. Fourthly, not only did they, did they default to cynicism and have a fighter and have a protector, this is, this is the great part. Fourthly, they have a deliverer. Look at verses 30 and 31 with me. Um, he says that the day of the Lord saved, <clears throat> that day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. When the Israelites saw the great power of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him uh, and in Moses, his servant. The Israelites, he says here in this, in this verse, saw the great power of the Lord. Not only evidenced by the fact that here's Moses holding out his staff, and here's the water forming these two walls on the right and the left, he says, and then walking through on dry ground. Put yourself in their situation. Now, this, that, that'd be plenty enough for me, I guarantee you, to walk through on dry ground, get on the other side, See, God's got this. I don't know what I don't. I don't know what's going to happen to the to the, to the to the army of Egypt, whether they're following us through, whether He kills. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know He's got this. I know I'm safe in His hands. He said, "Yeah, that's not enough." He he walks him through on dry ground, gets him through to the other side, stands him there on the other side on the, on this on an elevated plain, and it is elevated on the other side of the Red Sea where where He walked him through, standing there on an elevated plain, and. Uh, Moses takes, takes his staff out again, and the, the water caves in on them. You, you see, you've heard the story that the wheels of their chariots start falling off. They can't drive. The horses are getting tripped up. And things start to happen. That's all that's got. And the water just comes and crushes them. Yet he could allow the, the army of Egypt to be buried in the sea, yet he didn't. He washes them all up on the beach, washes every dead, every dead uh, Egyptian army uh, uh, personnel and, and their, their leaders and washes all of them up on the sea. Look at what he says in verse 30. But, but the Israelites went through on the sea on dry ground. That, that day the Lord saved the, the Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. Saw them why? Saw them as evidence that God says, I've got this. I don't care what happens in your life. I'm not only will give you victory, I'll defeat your enemy for you. It's not just about your coming out safe on the other side. It's about your looking back at your enemy and saying, you will never, ever, 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 ever again defeat me. Why? Because God will defeat you for me. If I will understand I've got a fighter, I need only to be still to have him fight for us. I understand I've got a deliverer too. And the deliverer says, I'm not only going to give you victory on the other side. I'm going to reveal to you the fact that I totally annihilate anything that you thought was against. What what threat were these people against you? They're lying dead on the shore now. Will you trust me? Can you see that I know best? Can you see that I'll provide a way? Can you see that when I put my hand on something, when I'm, when I'm on something, I've got it? You, don't need, you, you need no longer to be afraid of it. Here, here he uses the, the entire army, washed up on the beach, dead, dead carcasses on the beach, showing them, I've got this. I not only gave you victory, I totally defeated your enemy. 
And he, he does this basically as evidence of himself, evidence to say, I do, when I do something, I follow through. When I, when I initiate something in you, I complete it. I don't just have you wondering, did they make it out of the sea? No, they made it out of the sea dead. I defeated your enemy for you. Uh, it's, it, it is, not, as I say, not only just about our, our victory, but their defeat. Listen to, to Ephesians verse 6. For our struggle, watch this, is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. It's vital to our relational, to our emotional, to our spiritual well-being, to our survival, to know who the enemy is. He says in Ephesians 6, our enemy is not flesh and blood. So who is it? Your enemy and my enemy has a name. It's Satan. It's Lucifer who was cast out. It's the devil. It's the prince and power of the air. It's the prince of darkness. It's the father of every lie. He is our enemy. Now, our enemy is not named Donald. Our enemy is not named Hillary. Our enemy is not ISIS. Our enemy is not terrorism. Our enemy is not the media. Our enemy is not any of these things. Now, can God use Yes, he can use all those things and, and has. But that's not our enemy. We don't wage war against flesh and blood. Our enemy has a name, and our enemy is Satan. He's coming after us. If we see and recognize who our enemy is, we know better how to defeat him. If we think it's, it's got to do with this person with, with flesh and blood, skin and blood on, and this person with skin and blood runs through their veins, we're missing it. We're, we're, we're missing the, the, the sense that he is the one who is manipulating the, the, this situation for his good and my bad. And I need to recognize the enemy that, that I'm doing battle against. I'm not battling against him or her. I'm battling against the enemy. I'm, I'm battling against the one that's coming after me. The scripture said is about to devour me. He is my enemy. And like this Egyptian army, God not only can give us victory over him, but can wash him up on the beach of our life in the process of it and have us see a, a defeated Satan time after time after time after time again on, on, on beachhead after beachhead after beachhead. There he lies dead in that situation. Why? Because our God delivered. Our God came through. Our God was, was a provider, was a sustainer, was a fighter, was a protector. Uh, it's, it's, it is, it's difficult for me to understand with enough mileage in, 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 a, in a believer's life, why they never see the, those things. And I understand, I understand why, because I get it, I, I struggle with the same things. But with, with enough mileage, and by that I mean, are there at least three situations, you, you, you let your mind go where the Lord needs to take it. Are there at least three situations in your life, whether you're 25 or 85, are there at least three situations in your life where God has, you've seen him significantly show up in a way that says, and you knew it was him. And you said you had to step back and, God, that was just all God. That was no me. If there are at least three situations in your life, I would submit to you that's enough of a track record for you to learn to trust God in anything. Will we? Do we? Do we allow him that, that much freedom to, to say, hey, I, I've got this. I'm all over this. Um, it, it, it amazes me how many, how many refuse to see who the enemy is and consequently lose battle after battle because we... We're, we're deceived into thinking it's this, it's that, it's this ent- entity, it's that entity, it's this political party, it's that, it's terrorism. It's, and our enemy is Satan. And he's using those things in our world to defeat our mind, to defeat our spirit, to defeat our attitude, to say, I've won. If I defeat your spirit, if I, if I defeat your will and your drive, I've got you. I've got you exactly where I want you. I don't have to pull you to hell. I've got you defeated on earth. I've got you, I've got you lacking influence. I've got you in skepticism. I've got you cynical. I've got you where I want you. And he says over and over again, God does, listen, I've defeated him before. I'll defeat him again. I'll wash him up on the beach of your life so that you can see evidence 
of a dead carcass of who, who, of at least his influence in your life in this situation and in this moment. He is a real entity and our only deliverer, our only fighter. Our, the only one we can wage war with in that battle is the one who has won. And the one who has won says, I can win every time for you. Will you trust me? Well, my track record with the enemy is not very good. I don't know about yours, but my track record with him and the enemy is pretty doggone good. And he's saying this over and over again, if you'll trust me, you're going to see deliverance. You're going to see me fight for you. If you'll stand back and, and find a place of solace, find a place of quiet, be still, be still, and see me come through for you. Be still and see me show up and do something miraculous in your life that you'll have a story to tell over and over and over again. Here's what God did. Now, they already had a story. If they looked at the bigger picture, they had stories to tell already of the plagues, the Passover, the pillar. They had stories to tell already. Here's what, look at what God's done. He's delivered us out of slavery, out of bondage. Over 500 years of bondage, he's delivered us. Already had a story to tell. But can you imagine this story? Can you imagine this story to the the generations behind them to say, yeah, that was all cool. But man, we got to the Red Sea one time. And we were, we were totally toast. But they were bearing down on us. And God brought the cloud from in front of us to behind us to, to keep him from us and open the water up. And we went through on dry land. And, and God brought the Egyptians through after we got through. And God drowned every one of them and washed them up on the shore. Every dead carcass of every one of them on the shore to say, I, when I come through, I come through. When I deliver, I deliver. When I win, I win. It's not just about your victory. It's about your enemy's defeat. And you seeing a defeated enemy. Why? Because it gives us confidence to go next time against the enemy and next time against the enemy and say, I can defeat him. I can defeat him over and over in your life if you give me time and space to do that. Yet here we are with no margin, wondering why God never shows up, seemingly. And we've got no margin. He's showing up over and over and over and over again. And if we pull the veil back and find a, a, a place of quiet enough to see, here he is, there he is, here's what he's done, here's what he's done. It's far easier for us against it. And in a hard place to trust him. Why? Because there's mileage there. A couple of closing thoughts. We're done. Sooner or later, each of us find ourselves up against it. Like I said, whether you're, whether you're 25 or 85 or somewhere in between, you're going to find yourself, if you live long enough, you're going to find yourself up against it. There's usually two options. We can either, either whine about it or win. We can whine when we're up against it or win when we're up against it. It all has to do with attitude. Now, here's the kicker. It all depends on, that attitude all depends on who you're going to battle with. You're going to battle by yourself, you'll probably end up doing more whining than winning. You go to battle with the one that says, I'll fight for you, I'll protect you, I'll deliver you. You're going to win. You know why? Because you allow him to do what he's designed to do. That's who he is. That's what God does. He looks at the enemy and says, you have no place here. Be gone with you. Get behind me, Satan, he said to him in the wilderness. What are you doing here? You have no place here. You have no authority here. Only the authority that I give you. And so we'll win every time over and over. We have a never say never God. He never loses. Has never lost a single battle. None. Zero. Yet here we stand losing battle after battle against the enemy. Wondering why. It's because we don't know who who we're fighting with. We're still trying to engage. We're still trying to to figure out the battle plan ourselves. Instead of stepping back and be still and saying God. This is you. Not me. I can't win here. I don't see the outcome. And he will take over and move over and over and over again, situation after situation in your life and in my life, and he'll give us a story to tell to someone else. This is an incredible story that you and I are sitting here today to glean the benefit from, to say, God did that. He can do that in me too. He did that for them. 
bunch of complainers, a bunch of whiners. He can do that for me too. I trust him. I believe him. Do you? Create some margin for him to speak. Create some margin, some room for him to work. Find a place of stillness enough to see his hand at work. He'll develop in you a root system and a track record of faith that says, I know God's going to come through here. I can't see it today. can't see it today, but I know God's going to come through here, and he will. He will every time. 